This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice. Hi, my name is Mike Brennan. I'm uh, president of Farmer's Fridge. What I like about online food and technology industry is just an amazing time of innovation, and it's you know, helping people essentially eat better, live better lives, and so it's been uh, something I've done for 20 years. It's an exciting industry. Here's a very interesting concept. Create fresh meals, fill smart fridges at central locations, and make available to people at those locations wholesome, delicious salads, bowls, snacks, and more. Farmer's Fridge is on a mission to make it simple for everyone to eat well. With a rapidly growing network of more than 350 user-friendly smart fridges stocked with chef-curated restaurant-quality meals and snacks. What's more, unpurchased items are regularly donated to local food pantries, providing responsibly sourced nutrition to community members in need. It's a bold idea, clearly in motion. And hosts Rob Sanchez and Anne-Marie Stevens talk with the president of Farmer's Fridge on location at Grocery Shop. You're listening to Grocery is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the food and grocery industries. Recorded on location. The grocery industry is exploding and and changing very rapidly. And on Groceries Your Business, we like to talk about those developments in business and technology. And Mike, you've been around since one of the um, beginning, I think, uh, shifts in in grocery um, when you were at Peapod. I'd love to have you talk a little bit about what you've seen change over the last 20 years. Sure. So I'll give you try to give you 20 years in a, in a couple minutes here, but it's uh it's been, you know, at the beginning, um, there was a lot of barriers essentially just in the tools, the speed of information, the logistics toolkits, the ability to kind of know where a truck is. You know, these very basic things that over have evolved and essentially a lot of the friction points that made it not great maybe 20 years ago keep getting eliminated. Um, it's getting kind of easier, smoother, faster. Um, the technology to essentially help people shop better too, like remember what you bought before, but also remember how much you buy out of a category, how much you want to spend. And so like there's a thing we did at Peapod called Order Genius, which was we know how much you spend in total by category. And it's like kind of guessing your order. I mean, it's like most people are like, wow, that's pretty close to what I want. So it's like those type of innovations have just made it better for people and taken friction out of the process. But it's really this triangle of technology, logistics, and food. And so getting all parts of the triangle right, if one isn't good, it's like, yeah, it's great food, but it's late, you know? Or or if the technology blows up on you, it's like you have to get all three orchestrated together is the really hard part of the industry and what's been evolving, making sure all those things are are moving together in unison. So we've been talking on a couple interviews about this idea of a, it seems right now like it's a two-year adoption cycle on tech. And so um, you see a spike of innovation, you see two years of integration, then it spikes again. Um, Is that a speed up from when you started seeing it? And does that seem like the pace right now? Yeah, it's it's definitely sped up. I mean, there's just um, bigger dollars, more revenue, you know, so that attracts a whole room full of companies trying to serve the industry. Um, so I feel like the pace is actually faster than that. It's almost like more continuous. Um, 
you know, it's, and when Amazon bought Whole Foods, that's turned everybody into like hyperdrive to kick, compete, and catch up. And so they're constantly trying new things. You know, there's a lot of automation technology here to try to automate the picking side of it. And so there's four companies here, and I know there's about four or five grocers piloting these things. So there's just a speed that was Walmart's chasing Amazon, everyone else is chasing Walmart and Amazon. So that's creating like just try something and move quickly. Um, so I feel like the technology pace is, is even faster than that. I mean, it's almost every year there's new innovations coming out you know, with, with these companies. And then one company launches it and everyone's trying to chase it and catch up. So there's a lot of that happening too in the industry. Do you think the retailers, the grocers, given your, you, you've got to know pretty much everybody in this business, I think, you know, over the years, you, you know, you probably know everyone. So, um, Given that, with the technology, are they keeping up with the technology? How is the receptivity now on the adoption cycle? It's it's interesting. Like in what it takes to be a successful grocer is quite different than what it takes to be a successful online grocer. There's some, there's definitely parts that intersect, but if you look at it, you know you have to have like a good store, good real estate, good kind of theater of store, good parking lot, good parking lots, good experience. And if you look at an online grocer, you have to have good tech, good each pick logistics, good routing, good delivery drivers. So that skill set isn't necessarily core and inherent in in the DNA of grocers. And so they've had to work hard to kind of build that separately because it tends to be separate type of people, separate insights, separate skill sets. It makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. they're chasing what that technology is, you know, because their technology to make your in-store experience great, it'd be maybe a different technology stack that makes your online experience great. You know, definitely, again, overlap, but a lot of separate components to it. Yeah. So. And I would think even, you just brought something up to my own mind too, like when you say a different skill set, like they probably have to be creating new bringing in new talent to support this new area of the business. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's just, again, like people who run stores, it's like, how hard could it be to pick groceries out of stores? It's like pretty hard. You know, it's different. Um, each pick grocery um, is just a different skill set. So they brought in a lot of outside talent. You see the people up on the, the stage, you know, at this conference, and they're people who haven't necessarily worked with those companies a long time. Like, you know, the head of Kroger's online, the head of Albertson's online, the head of Aholt's online. They've all been in their jobs for like a year or two, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm, so they're mm -hmm. constantly bringing in people with outside perspectives to kind of push the limits or, you know, push the boundaries for what they're doing. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing and how that came to be. I'd love sure. to hear a bit more about Farmer's Bridge. Sure. So, yeah, after a, a great run at Peapod, um, did a couple other things, started a company and uh, um, did some board of director stuff. And then I was working with Farmer's Bridge as a consultant and then came on board as president a couple months ago. But it's a, you know, Peapod is technology, logistics, and food, and Farmer's Fridge is technology, logistics, and food. But it's a, um, it's a fresh, uh, the, the company was founded by a, a guy named Luke Saunders, and he was a salesman. He would travel, and it was very hard to get good food on the go. And so he wanted to create a company that made healthy food as accessible as a candy bar. So the idea for Farmer's Fridge is um, kind of chef-prepared meals where you could have like a roasted pineapple and a salad with high-end ingredients, but it's made in a production environment, and then it's put into a jar and then into a vending machine, um, into a fridge. And so that allows it to be accessible to a lot of people. So there's hundreds of them in Chicago, um, and it's been... Uh, the company got a lot of investment dollars and is now expanding, so I came on to help the company grow and really take it to the next level. So it's 
So, Anne-Marie, you knew the brand. I did. You know, I'm a native Chicagoan, so I had seen the brand in different locations. When Mike and I spoke yesterday, I was like, I, was like, I know you guys, and I wanted to talk to him because he's from Chicago. That's how we are. Yeah. Uh, I see my people. I need to, like, <laughs> grab them. So uh, I'm now a New Yorker, but I'm still a Chicagoan. Yeah. And, you know, Farmer's Fridge definitely caught my eye in the places that I've seen. I couldn't even name all the places that I've seen it, but like Luke, I am, I've been a, you know, road warrior for, for some time, and it is a an endless frustration to not be able to access just a healthy food option. You know, my actually here in Vegas, my healthy food option, I founded the CVS. So yep. to find something just on the go that wasn't, uh, you know, I, who doesn't love a, a cheeseburger? But, I, you know, it's... A Monday night. I don't need a cheeseburger on a Monday night. It's a school night, you know. So I uh, have seen farmers fridge around Chicago in a variety of places, office buildings, near gyms, you know. So what does that look like in terms of the where you are now in the expansion? You know, sure. airports certainly is one of those, like, born yep. in my side food Yeah, situations. so we're at Tint Airport. There's, like, three at O'Hare Airport, and there's, like, over 200 in Chicago. They're like beautiful hospital. vending machines also. They're aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, the brand is very good, and the branding is good, and it's yeah. a fun brand. It's just, yeah. like, again, the company's very young, but it's just, like, that type of branding has been is good. And the food... The food is is excellent, you know, and, and most people like the marketing challenges. People say that's way better than I thought it would be. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm. That's kind of. Do I say thank you, or do I say why? Why did you think it wouldn't be good? You yeah. know. So, so it's a. Um, as we kind of roll out to these places in Chicago, it's been successful, but it's been in the market for a well, while. Well, we like our food there. Yeah, and we you try, and, and you've, people have tried it enough, and then we're yeah. and there's a lot of really big fans of the brand, and yeah. like we really love the product. So, um, but as we go to new markets. You know, people are like salad in a vending machine. You know, and, and so there's you know, there's a lot of like like building. We need to we need to get that get them to be fans also for sure. But you know, we've had cupcakes in vending machines, right? And and they did quite well. So I think you know when you go to new markets that are somewhat savvy. You know, I think also you were a little bit ahead of the wellness curve. Mm-hmm. You know, or at least Farmer's Search was, and now the the. The culture has shifted even a little bit more around nutrition, wellness, healthy, organic. You know, we're having a lot of those conversations as well. Um, you know, so I have very high hopes for the success of Farmers Ridge. Really, yeah, and it's been. I think it will be successful. It'll yeah. be like our challenge will be to get that message out. You know, yeah. and even like on health outcomes, like we yeah. have a nutrition look at it. Nutritionists look at what people normally eat and what's your kind of recommended daily levels of, of it and what the normal American diet is. And it tends to be a little too much on fat and sodium and a little too little on fiber and the good things. And so we said, what if you ate a two or, th- or three farmer's fridge meals in a week and then all the bad stuff comes down and the good stuff goes up on average? So it's like your health outcome is better because it's a plant-based diet essentially is what farmer's fridge so it's like you it's a it's a better for you option as well as being tasty you should call morgan spurlock and have him do a documentary on you guys you know do you remember that documentary where he ate mcdonald's for every meal yeah yeah right exactly this will be the reverse the reverse of it yeah yeah that's where it is so people there's a lot of like I don't know. It's funny. Like at airports, like flight attendants are always hyping it because it gives them something to eat, you know, as they're traveling and doing things like that. So it's uh, the people that eat it. It's it tastes good. That's the main thing, you know. And it's mm-hmm. so it's it's like the ingredients are very high end and the um, preparation is really curated. And then if something people don't like it, we kind of it's a very um, it's tough to get a spot in the fridge. So the meals were constantly innovating and putting new things. in there. Do you guys do all the um, development? 
food product development? So you have your own in-house chef. Like, yep. how do you come about creating the product? Yeah, so there is an in-house chef, and we have we do tests, and even like he's constantly there's a kitchen in the office that was just built, and he's constantly trying new things, and he's like, can I get 15 people to taste this? Give me your feedback, and then we try some things, and, and then so he's constantly trying new new menu items, and we introduce maybe one or two a month um, into the fridge, and then the ones that are like just not as popular get kicked out, you know, and then the new ones come in. That makes sense because you probably have to curate it like a menu, right? Exactly. And, and also, if I'm shopping it every single day, I'm probably going to want to see something new somewhat frequently, like merchandising anything, right? Exactly. Like merchandising a store. Exactly. And that's what's like, there's some, like, there's a peach caprese salad that comes in seasonally, and then like, peaches are in season, things like that. So we, like, we rotate some in and out. It's good. It is very good. It's like so, the McRib, but healthy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The McRib of salads. Yeah. But it's... Um, how are you handling that um, that transition from a chef creating it to the actual scale of it? It's a, it's a good question. It's like the hardest part of uh, commercializing it, you know, so and it's how to keep the quality up as you scale it. But it's one of these things where it's like we know, okay, you need to chop this much onion or have this much carrot and things like that. So we try to make sure the process replicates what the chef does, but yeah. doing it at a higher speed. And then we, you know, always tasting it, making sure, you know, and, and there's a lot of quality control checks through the process. And then we have, we send out an, an every um, order, it's like a survey of like, tell us how your meal was. So if something's like, what's happening with this meal this week, if some, something, there's some issues, we, we really find out quickly and, and adjust and, and try to improve on it. But even as things launch, we think it's like, okay, it tastes good. But then people are like, wait, there's a, like a buffalo cauliflower salad. So it's like a roasted cauliflower or buffalo. And some people are like, too much buffalo sauce, not enough buffalo sauce, you know? Yeah. So we're like, okay, then we tweak it and we try it and say like, okay, are the ratings up or down? So it's a really a, a consumer feedback loop is very fast and we quickly adjust on, on the fly, you know, or just on a regular basis to make it better. What are the staples that you found? Like, is there is there something that always is in? Like, you always have to have a shaved Parmesan uh, Caesar salad or something like that? Yeah, there's there's um, salads um, and there's like uh, bowls, like pesto pasta bowl and sandwiches. So the sandwiches are from a um, a bread company called Publican Bread in Chicago. So we have um, each of those categories, and then like like the some of the early purchasings, like the pesto pasta is the most popular. It's something people like. Oh, I know what that is. You know, I'll try it. And then the salads, too. There's a Napa salad with avocado in it. And those are the most popular ones. And so those tend to, you know, keep their spot in, yeah. in the fridge. And, and uh, people constantly come back and buy those and other ones, you know. But there's a lot of um, variety, essentially. You know, if you want a salad or a bowl, there's breakfast items, yogurts. And there's snacks, like tempera own chocolate. And then there's, like, a chia pineapple pudding, which is delicious. Ooh, that sounds really good. It is really good. And that one's super popular. And I was just going to say, it's so hard to find a good, healthy snack. Yes. Yeah. So there's there's some good snacks in there, too. And so we try to cover, like, different day parts for people and then give them alternatives for breakfast or something quick for lunch or just an afternoon snack. Are those living perennially inside of the machine, or are you swapping on a cycle? Meaning, like, um, is breakfast a timed thing, or is it all throughout the day? Yeah, in, they're, they're physically in the machine, but then as people come up, we might have the screen be like referencing breakfast, just almost like at a restaurant, you might see a different menu, but they're there, and then the fridges are stocked every day. So, um, but yeah, all those all the products are available all day long. So depending on what people want to do, you know, and when they want to have it, so it just has again, it's still like a vending machine where it kind of rolls out, but it's uh, those are all in, in every day. And how are you handling wastage across the the whole cycle? 
Yeah, so it's in, um, so we do, we compost everything from the production side of it, and then we donate the product um, on the back end. If something like goes out of date before it's sold, you know, it's replenished, and then any, any product that's out of date is taken out, and then we donate it to local food depositories and I things like that. I love that. Yeah, I love so. that. And you can also yeah. recycle the jars, like at the fridge, there's a place and we pick up um, the jars to recycle them too. So we try to make sure, you know, the sustainability part of it's a really important, like both have it be super healthy, stay on mission for health, and also make it sustainable is a big part of what we're trying to do. We keep hearing that, and I'm, I'm glad that sustainability seems like it's actually getting traction uh, across the industry uh, in different ways that people can address address yeah. that. You know, packaging seems to be uh, at the top of the list. It's just important to consumers, you know, so it's, it's gone from like a nice to have to companies are just really digging in on it in a positive way. So, and it's kind of part of the core mission of Farmer's Fridge too. So it's really part of the DNA of the company. So we're just constantly figuring out how do we like looking at compostable packaging and where is it composted and how does it really work and, and what are the options for consumers to do that? So we're, we're constantly innovating there too, trying to reduce waste, you know, in every step of the process. Have you found any place where Farmer's Fridge has been a unique proposition that has been a surprise where you've put it and said, wow, we didn't know it would take off there? It's in, um, we have one in a uh, 7-Eleven store. <laughs> and it actually, it's like, I was like, maybe, but it was actually very popular. So it's it's interesting if, it, if it's in a place where, um, there's a lot of people, but maybe there's not a lot of restaurants near there, you know? Yeah. So it's like, could be in a, it's just, it's once people know it's available, then they seek it out. Um, and so there's sometimes places that you're like, oh, this is like in the middle of Chicago, but it's like a one block food desert, meaning you mm-hmm. got to go a block away. And mm-hmm. so if it's, if it's quick, accessible. I think that was the first time I saw it was somewhere maybe in the, that area between River North and like a part, it was like an office building with retail. Maybe the REI is in the basement. Yeah. I, I don't know. I went to like a meeting or an office. I remember coming out of an elevator and it was right there. I was like, well, that's so interesting. Yeah. What is this? There was one, there's one that's in a um, Apple store employee break, like their area, not, to, not yeah. for the consumers. And, it, and the way their breaks work there, they don't get like a huge long time. They get like a lot of shorter breaks. And so that does really well, you know. So I think it, it tracks the type of customer who works at Apple and then they have it in their back room, you know. So it's that one I was like, wasn't sure how it would do, but it's been super popular you know, yeah. in that. So it's like, it's sometimes it kind of finds the audience and it finds the crowd, you know, and, and then people taste it and then the word spreads and then it's successful. Are you getting a lot of inbound inquiries then? I would imagine yeah. it seems like it would be like a requested type. Obviously, you probably the sales team and, and whatnot. But yeah, they look at it. You know, it's in a market, and as we go to these new markets in Chicago, it's known. You know, and the people have tried it, and so over a couple of years, then it gets tried, and then more and more people now are like, oh, they see it, and they see how successful it is in other buildings, and they want it in their building. So that's happening more and more in Chicago and other markets. We're still introducing it, and then the consumers are finding it, and so it takes a little time. But then after a few years, there's a lot more requests. Are you seeing at all that um, there's a market for franchise opportunities later on where uh, a vending machine distributor might be able to pick up you as one of the options that they sell into their typical areas, or are you a standalone proposition from that side? That's a good question. Like We partner with um, like some of the major food providers like Compass and Canteen, so like they might serve a campus like Northwestern University, and so we'll be part of their portfolio of alternatives. Um, and so we do partner with people like that to try to do it. We haven't done like on the franchise. 
franchise side of it, we haven't done that yet because we got to kind of control the uh, quality and the supply of it. So it's all kind of produced centrally and distributed. So the franchisee wouldn't have as much to do because we'd still have to do most of the work on it. Um, and it's interesting at these buildings, all you need is a power outlet. Yeah. You know, so it's like, do you want, do you want to have a, a, a small restaurant inserted in your building? And we're like, oh, there's a plug right there with the good fit, you know. <laughs> well, that's great. So the implementation is pretty, yeah. pretty easy. Yeah. Just plug it in. It takes a lot Friction to like, free. Get, get the food and deliver it and everything. But for the buildings, yeah. it's like yeah. a revenue source and it gives their uh, you know, people in the building a new amenity, you know, something that's quick. And they find like restaurants in the building actually do better too because people stay on premise for eating food. So it's not really, it's a creative, it's extra revenue. For the, for the building. Have you been designing different form factors to fit different locations, or are you like fairly set on uh, the, the, the the current form factor? Has been, I think, roughly from, from the first few years of the company, which is now. But like anything, there's a lot of desire for new form factors. Like for example, um, you can you can order online, then you can go to the fridge, and it'll kind of auto bend when you get there. Um, but we're trying to look at ways where it could like pre-vend it, you know, kind of like a when you go to Starbucks and it has your name on it, it's on the shelf already. So, you know, just speed it up, take that friction out. Like I was mentioning in online grocery, people have taken friction out of each step. So we're like, how do we speed up the at fridge moment? And so constantly looking at ways to do it. So the basic fridge works well, but we need to come up with like yeah. faster ways for people to get the food. Clearly drone delivery. Yes, exactly. The drone salad we dropped onto your desk. So. Yeah, it seems like it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> See, now that seems like a reasonable drone application to me. <laughs> yeah. That's a use case I can live with. Yeah. Fly to you soon. Fly to you soon. So what's next? What are you looking at as sort of the, the path? Is it all about scale and supply chain optimization right now, or is there some other aspect of the business that's exciting? There's a, both, like, on the... Um, there's, like, kind of the four areas, which is, like, you know, on the technology side, you know, the menu side and uh, the logistics side. So it's kind of innovating on all these core components of it. So it just gets better and better. But then we're going to scale the new cities, you know, so there'll be some scaling to new cities. And also it's, it's an amazing um, product in this jar and it can be in other places than vending machines too, you know, so it could be like a restaurant um, has approached us where they could serve it as a salad. You know, they don't have to do all the salad prep. Their labor cost goes down. Oh, that's interesting. You know, and yeah. then they can serve as a salad if that's not their core business is making salads. And so we're finding as the solutions out there, people are like, wait, this can be used in different ways. So And you see a just salad that's just like your salad. Yeah, and so that's where like they didn't even <laughs> we just are try, tried it, like you don't even have to call it a farmer's fridge salad, you know, we just say it's a salad and, and they can pour it out and it looks beautiful and it tastes great. Um, so the fact that we make this chef ready product that's portable and stackable people are like wait a minute there's a new use case for it so it didn't really exist in this form before so now when we're talking to more people about ideas it's not like they had this option and so the, now that the option exists they're coming up with ideas for the option that makes sense yeah. so now it's yeah. uh, so that that's what's starting to evolve now talking to like hospital approach to us you know it's like oh, it makes a ton right. of sense yeah. yeah like why do you serve a hot dog to someone who just had a heart attack you like maybe you should serve them something that's better for you, that's quick and low labor costs and things like that. So there's conversations like that that are starting. That's and new ideas. Geographically right now as you're spreading, um, how how far out, I guess, can you get into a new market without the supply chain becoming a barrier 
it seems like they have to scale together in an interesting way. Exactly. You know, it's keeping, it's definitely the orchestration of supply, you know, and demand. So how making sure we're ordering enough food, enough jars, producing at the right levels. So that's a lot of uh, my role working with this great team, great leadership yeah. uh, people. And it's like, are we keeping it in sync? You know, how fast can we go to keep the quality right? Um, keep the production yeah. levels right, and so it's like that's that pacing of it, and is is the, the biggest challenge. But you're exactly right, and how fast do we want to go? And then what are ways to unlock capacity growth? So that's where we spend a lot of our time working on that, yeah. trying to figure that out. And I guess my specific question is, when is New York um, scaling? <laughs> soon, soon. So coming soon. Announcements coming soon on that. So it's uh, it'll be um, yeah. It'll be very, very soon. So, um, yeah. It's going to be an exciting time. But yeah, that's a big market, and obviously we're going to go big, big there. Um, and there's the company, you know, got a lot of new investors, raised a good chunk of money. So now that's you know the plan is to really keep the aggressive growth, and, you know, go to these new locations, new markets. Are you seeing adoption in rural and urban, or is that a different use case? Like, are you inside of an AMPM in the middle of a highway versus like uh, urban center? We tend to be urban center. It's usually like to be successful, it's just foot traffic. You know, essentially, is there enough people going by it? Um, like any retail, you know, it's kind of the location. So we tend to be more successful where there's people. It could be a college campus. It's, you know, it could be a hospital. It could be an airport. Um, so it's those type of locations where people are on the go. And then, you know, just trying to find those moments. Um, but, yeah, that's where, like, in Chicago, we're all in those locations. And then looking, you know, new markets, the same thing. You know, like hospitals, airports, schools. Um, and now those, that's where the success is. If it's more remote, less people there, then it just there's just less people, so it tends to be not do as well. But we're again looking at different ideas. You know, people want to um, like we're in two Walgreens stores now. You know, so it's like there's different ideas out there of like where is the situation where it fits. You know, and, mm -hmm. and who do we partner with? And how do we grow? So there's a lot of ideas kicking around of where we, where we partner and where we can put it. Have you thought at all about boxes like uh, Blue Apron type delivery? Oh. Yeah, it's, um, we haven't done, like, to ship it. You know, it's hard to ship food, you know, and yeah. so it's, it's um, we haven't done that part of it. So it's like, that's what I tell people. I was, you know, trying to figure out how to get food delivered for 20 years, and I, that's just too hard. So now I'm just going to have people come to our refrigerator and get it themselves. It's a much easier proposition. So, um, but I think it's more going to be finding cases, like, at restaurants or hospitals, things like that, you know, versus shipping it to people um, will probably be more of the direction that we're looking at. You know. One thing we haven't really talked about is, is cost, right? Um, so to the consumer, you know, fresh food sometimes is feels cost prohibitive. Yep. Um, I'm going to imagine that somehow you've, you've created something that is attainable and accessible. Yep, that's that's the goal. You know, it's like the salad is about eight dollars, and some of the bowls are about six dollars. So it's um, but it's the quality's high, you know. And so trying to yeah. like figure out what the right price point, what the right quantity is. So we're constantly as we're both experimenting with the um, the recipes, the menu, and make it good. We're also experimenting with different sizes, price points, trying to find it. You know, is there options for everybody? And like, you know, how many how many breakfast items should we have at which price points? How many other lunch items should we have and so there's a lot of experimentation still at that level trying to find that right portfolio to give people choice for whatever their budget is whatever their kind of taste palette is we're constantly testing mm -hmm. do you have any um, final observations or thoughts you'd like to share sure I think it's you know the in general just at this conference it's it's kind of an amazing time for food like the amount of innovation and the intensity of innovation that's been caused by this competition with all these grocers is just like 
exciting. And I was a Peapod. More has happened in the last three years than maybe happened in the last decade before that. Um, and so it's just watching what all these companies are doing and what's happening. I think it's going to be much more too. Like the, the next big thing, you know, I talk about health outcomes. I think that's the part that's, you know, you have all the nutritional information of every product. So it, quite ha it hasn't really made it simple yet, but it's like, what's in your cart? You can analyze how healthy that basket is and get rated or, you know, like screen it against, are you gluten-free, flag, you know, you can have a gluten-free store on any online store if you just say only show gluten-free items, you know? So it's like, there's ways to create really interesting health analysis, health outcomes, reports, that I think people are just scratching the surface on. So I think you'll see a lot more innovation there. It's kind of food as medicine, as opposed to like take these 14 pills, just eat better and, and live better, is I think where you'll see a lot more innovation coming up. Um, for you, you've been in the food industry for quite a while. Uh, what has attracted you to that industry? What, um, well, maybe from your background or from your past is a driving force for you? Sure, I, I just had, um, I started out working at Procter and Gamble, and it's just—I think it's more the um, the combination of the food and the technology and the convenience side of it. So it's both have great food, but how do you get it to people in a way that's like, wow, that was so easy. It just showed up and it just happened. So it's like I find the problem solving of like having that triangle work together and and having it all kind of orchestrated in a good way. Um, is just a really interesting problem to solve. And then there's constantly new ideas and innovations, both in like logistics side or the um, the food side of it, the technology side. So deciding what goes in, what goes out, when is um, been fun. And it still is fun. I'm still energized by it. Yeah. You know, from your perspective, one of the questions I have found interesting, I shared this on one podcast, I'm going to share it here. Uh, I saw the founder of Rent the Runway speak a few years ago. One of the things that she said was, you know, I thought I was getting into a clothing rental business, but what I really was getting into is now I run the world's largest dry cleaner. So in this business, have you had any surprises similar to that? Yeah, it's just like, you know, it's it's a food, you know, it's people sometimes focus on the technology of online, you know, and like what the customer facing side of it is, but it's like, it's a logistics business, like all the cost, when you look at like, where's the cost in this business, it's, it's in that back end part of it. So making money is kind of orchestrating your consumer in a way that um, optimizes the cost. So it's very much like an airline business. You have to fill the seats in the truck. And so if you have a truck going to Evanston, Illinois, and making sure you have enough deliveries between seven to nine, nine to 11, 11 to one, so that part of it, the, I guess the surprise or where the energy is, is like that back end is where most of the energy is, but the customers don't see that all the time, but it's where the cost is in the business. So you have to focus a lot there. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Great. It's I appreciate really it. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Thank guys. you so much. Thank you. So for Rob Sanchez, good night, y'all. For Anne-Marie, same thing. Good night. Thank you. This has been Grocery is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, your inside voice.